Good evening and welcome to a semi-final edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, evening, everyone. Hopefully everyone is doing great after one of the, I think what will come to be one of the legendary JMU games ever uh, this past Friday, the come from behind uh, heart-stopping victory over Weaver State, 31-28 for the Dukes. Um, for again, another, another victory that we are losing track of in the winning streak. So the Dukes will be ready to take on South Dakota State this Saturday. Um, a couple of notes as we get started. We are obviously going to lose our minds a little bit about Friday's game, and we're pretty excited about the way everything happened. Um, the Dukes never disappoint. So, but we are thrilled tonight. Um, before we get to the business end of this, we in a little in a few minutes we are going to have on the voice of the Dukes, Kurt Dudley. Uh, we are pretty excited about this. We've been hoping uh, since the playoffs started. We had kind of reached out to the media team and asked if maybe we could track down Kurt um, if they made the semis uh, for a game that had the proper hype for a guest this important to us. <laughs> so we. Um, we're really excited about that. Hopefully, everybody's going to enjoy that. We also, as always, are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, team from Pale Fire is doing a great job with us. Got back to us last week. They've been really great. Um, we didn't get a chance to make it in. Obviously, that game um, ran over a little bit, as many people trying to record on their DVRs found out this, week, <laughs> this weekend. Um, but if you go by the brew house there in downtown, you and Talk about the Jamie, ask them about the Jamie Sports Blog podcast. You get a free pint glass as always. Uh, this weekend with the 4:30 start, we are much more confident we will get a chance to uh, hopefully celebrate post game. So we will see. Um, and our last note for tonight, and the last week that you have to hear us talk about this, is we are winding down the end of our T-shirt campaign for Jamie Sports Blog. Um, you can go to bonfire.com/jmusb. Again, bonfire.com/jmusb. Um, our amazing shirts, does the logo, our own very own logo designed by our buddy Ben Markowitz are available at that address. Um, you can also find it a couple weeks back on the blog. We'll be sure to tweet it out um, and Facebook, put it out on Facebook again tomorrow. Again, the money that we're raising for this is going for us to hopefully upgrade the quality of this podcast uh, with some new mics, maybe a new uh, set of headphones, um, some equipment that'll make us sound a little better uh, to reinvest in our site. That has been a labor of love for the last eight years, and for the first time, we're really trying to pull this off. So, we, before we move on, we can't, we just can't thank the people already enough that have ordered. We are at forty shirts. We need ten more to reach our goal. So, the shirts will be printed, and they'll be going out on Thursday. Um, for those of you in Virginia, you're likely to get them in the next week or so. We have assure we have assurances that they will all be delivered before a potential trip to texas in the first week of january so we hope you guys will support us a little bit in that um, again there's a donate button on there that is totally straight going to us no pressure at all on that um, but we will try our best to make it worth your generosity so all that being said we are thrilled to welcome the biggest guest we have had on the podcast with apologies to all of our previous guests um, but for rob and i this is a really exciting uh, opportunity to have um, what I think most of us think of as the voice of the Dukes, but is technically JMU's Director of Broadcast Services. Uh, he teaches a course on campus, and he's the announcer for the Harrisonburg Turks in the summertime as well. So with that, welcome the voice of the Dukes, Kurt Dudley. 
Well, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you uh, inviting me here tonight, and I was looking forward to it all day, so I'm <laughs> glad the time has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Kurt, we were wondering, just to start us off, um, did you have to work this past weekend? Actually, not from a, an official standpoint, because with ESPN being here this weekend mm -hmm. uh, and some of my other changes in responsibility, um, I basically had the evening off in terms of any uh, hardcore responsibility. So I just sat in the corner. Actually, <laughs> I occupied. I kept saying, yeah, I've been a bad boy. They stuck me over here in the corner. But they have a spot up at Bridgeport Stadium for these games for Joey D of the CAA. Oh. But he can't sit still. So uh, he's always down on the field. Taking and selfies so, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got it. So, I mean, you know, I think he ran out there and was the holder, actually, for the game-winning field goal. The <laughs> Um, but he didn't get a selfie of that one, unfortunately. But anyway, so I sat in the corner there. I've been, I've been keeping Joey D's seat warm the last couple of playoff games. And I've actually thoroughly enjoyed it because I'm, I'm watching it from a little bit of a different perspective. There's not a thousand and one things going on mm -hmm. as there is during a broadcast. And, uh, so I, I'm just doing a little tweeting out of my personal account, <laughs> and, uh, things of that sort and, and really enjoying and, and analyzing the game kind of in my own head as opposed to just spatting it out to everybody else out there that might be listening. That's cool. Now, do, you, go ahead, do, you, do you enjoy that? Or do you find yourself like putting yourself um, like how we watch players and everything? We critique them. Do you find yourself um, tuning into the announcers and kind of not critiquing what they do, but um, I don't know, maybe learning from them or just um, taking a different perspective from. Yeah. Like... Uh, well, I, I think there's a couple of things. There's some announcers I like to listen to, to pick up um, lingo or descriptions that help to shorten a description so that you get more bang for, for the buck, um, you know, so that there are, there's a variance, you know, I'd like to have a buffet of descriptions within the course of a ball game. And, um, and so I'm always adding you know, to my uh, list of things to say, uh, just trying to recall them at the particular instant can be a challenge at times. And then there are other situations where I am, uh, I do, I do monitor or listen for things that aren't necessary that become um, basically hmm. crutches or um, a phrase or something that is so often used that it becomes a distraction in a broadcast. And I use that within my broadcast class. Oh. Uh, you see it in writing, you see it in, and you hear it in broadcasting. Uh, maybe I'm more in tune with it because it's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but if I'm trying to polish future broadcasters, it's something I like to bring to their attention. So I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, yeah. But that is something that I do, yes. No, that's exactly what I had in mind. That's, just, that's interesting. It's really cool to hear, too. We had your, uh, your, this year's partner, Bennett Conlon, on uh, oh, yeah. a month, or, month and a half ago or so. And he talked about like, when that mic goes on, how professional – like what he was learning from you yeah. about really plugging in at that moment. Yeah. Well, he's, and he's done a great job. Sure has. Um, he's, he's been, and the thing that uh, one reason I picked Bennett was Bennett has done it the right way at JMU in the sense that he's gotten involved in so many things. Probably the only thing that I think he didn't do right was on the initial <laughs> college game day, he was annoyingly tweeting Lee Fitting more than he needed to tweet Lee Fitting. <laughs> um, so we kind of got a hold of him then and said, Bennett, back off. We're working on this. Don't annoy the guy, okay? Um, but, you know, but it's kind of interesting because the second time around, Lee even said this publicly, uh, the second time around, the social media from everybody uh, showed that the, there was going to be the interest that 
you know, that Godwin, uh, that, excuse me, that Wilson Hall was going to be <laughs> packed and, and the quad was going to be packed. So I, I think this time it had more of an influence than maybe the past. But getting back to Bennett, he's done a really nice job. I knew he would know the team very well. I had him in class. He has an interesting, dry sense of humor. Sometimes you have to kind of look through it and say, oh, yeah, that was funny. Uh, but but he's, he's, he's very good at what he does, and he's, um, you know, he's beyond his years a bit, and I think he's going to do well whatever he decides to do. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. He was really funny with us in, in that dry sense of humor. Um, yes, he definitely yeah. had some funny stuff with us. Um, I'm guessing that you have been working other JMU events in the last week or so. People tend to forget, those of us that – uh, focus on football and, and maybe men's and women's basketball a little bit. Forget that you do a ton more uh, at JMU. Have you been working any other events this last couple weeks or so? Well, well, the only actually it's kind of thinned out here recently. Mm-hmm. Probably the one thing that's kind of changed for me is I was a sports information director in charge of a handful of the sports for the first 18 years uh, at JMU. Mm-hmm. And then it switched over to this position, which the name has changed four times now. Um, <laughs> it, it, when it was multimedia communications director, which had just changed how that, I was really the only one doing that. Now all these sports information directors do similar things with all the social media and the, the graphics and what have you. Okay. Um, but yeah, but so now what happens um, it, when I was an SID, the spring was my busiest time because I was the baseball sports information director and they played a 56 game schedule. Sure. And so you're on the road for the three game series. You know, we go down to Wilmington or Charleston or up to Boston. And, uh, you know, and, and so you're playing five games a week. And so it was really hectic then. And then once going into this role um, and we started doing the Matazone productions and started to expand those products, then the fall got really busy because most of our sports, when you look at it, the majority of our sports that are in action at one time of the year is during the fall. And then the overlap season of November is really the crunch time. So yeah. the last couple of weeks, it's, it's thinned out because everybody's done with the exception of football from the fall sports. So the only thing I've really done other than uh, be at those football games is to um, cover the the home men and women's basketball games. Although I do have responsibilities for every road contest, football and or basketball. And this is one thing that's also changed, guys, is that I traveled with men's basketball and football about the last 15 years, and I no longer do that as of this fall. And and so that's changed a little bit. Otherwise, I would still be in the radio booth for even these home games this week. I guess there's so many more schools that have put together their own productions that you're able to – JMU is able to rely on – are they able to rely on those other productions a little bit for the away games? Yeah, well, and that's – that's you know, it's interesting because I don't know that uh, – Matazo never really travels. Uh, okay. Because, for example, we, we spend – and the way our model is right now, we do all, home the, all, the, all of the home football games with the exception of the playoffs because ESPN has the rights to those. Mm-hmm. We do all the basketball games that are home. Uh, both men and women. And then we do, we have a budget. Every time we do a Matazone production, we're spending money. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So it is not a, it's not a free thing. Now no. we do want to thank the alumni association, oh, yeah. and all the sponsors, because they make it free for everybody. But when we have, for example, probably one of the good examples is we will go to say Towson or UNCW or Elon or Hofstra or Northeastern. All of those schools are in with us and our stretch partners, which is our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure people but like it or not. That's that's the platform that we're working with. Right Kurt, now. we love it. OK, well, <laughs> I, good. Say, I'm glad I mean, you do. Yeah, I never have any do. issues with it. I know good. I know there are complaints. But exactly. I think okay. it's an outstanding product. I know it is um, a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of money 
right. the alumni association. So I appreciate you pointing out that it is not free. It's something we all benefit from, right, uh, from absolutely. the alumni association. So something to keep in mind when we as alums get hit up for donations. Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it comes right back to us. In many absolutely, ways. it does. But to finish that point, though, those they're doing their mat, they're doing their so-called Matazone, mm-hmm. and we're sharing their production. Got it. That's why when you see JMU play at the College of Charleston, you never hear me doing those productions. Gotcha. Because it's their Kurt Dudley or their, you know, their guys that are doing <laughs> their productions. So that's how that actually works. Makes sense to us. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yes. Um, Kurt, how did you come to JMU? Um, I think I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you went you attended Bridgewater, correct? I did. I did, absolutely. So have um, you been in the valley ever since? I, I came to the Valley in 1979 to start as a freshman at Bridgewater College with, a, with an ambition of my degree, my uh, academic pursuit at the time was general science. Um, a lot of folks don't realize that uh, I do have a passion for sports, but I was also more reared in science coming through academically. Hmm. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the biology. What kicked me was the physics. I was not very good <laughs> in physics. <laughs> Um, for some reason, I could not get, uh, you know, work equals rate, da, 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 da. da. So, um, so anyway, so, uh, but I got into sports information as a work study student because, and I, mm. this is the way I think this happened was uh, Bridgewater, a small school, of course, they don't have nowhere near the applications that uh, JMU does, even at that time. Uh, when I was at Bridgewater, the highest enrollment figure was like 925. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's small. Mm-hmm. And I think what they did was because they don't have as many applications. Uh, I, I played two sports in high school and I did a lot of public speaking and my writing was OK. Um, <laughs> and so I think uh, they needed a sports information director because it was a student run position. The fellow who was a senior, Alan Miller, um, he was about ready to graduate. He went he was a, uh, an, a, an accounting major. He's actually my accountant now and makes a hell of a lot more money than I do. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I worked with Alan uh, that first year. And then when it came to the spring, we were on a uh, modified quarter system. So it came to that last uh, quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, I'm playing tennis. It's all yours. So I took it over and then eventually changed my major to business with a concentration in marketing and did an internship with Mike Schickman at WSVA Radio and then convinced the president he needed to hire me. So I worked there for five years. But working in radio, the guys at uh, JMU knew me plus knowing I was a sports information director. So when the Dukes would play home games during the holidays for men and women's basketball, usually it was men, but occasionally be women too. Mm -hmm. They would call me and say, Hey, I need a statistician. Can you come over here and run our crew? And I would. (laughs) And eventually they said, uh, I remember it was after we played Radford in uh, January of 88, Gary Michael came up to me and he said, Hey Kurt, there's a position opening here at JMU in sports information. Do you know, wink, wink, anybody interested? <laughs> and I said, maybe. And so I, I was hired 30 days before Lefty. Oh, Nobody wow. came to my press conference, and there were 100 <laughs> people at Lefty's. I'm still distraught over that situation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good lesson for all of our students out there. Um, stick around during the breaks whenever you can. Um, that's be, right. Yeah. Be available. Um, it's a good, good thought leading into this weekend. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Very good thought. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So then I, then I became the sports, I got into sports information there in 1988 and have been gotcha. here since that time. Gotcha. Hey, how so, did you end up teaching the class? What's that? How did you end up um, teaching the class? I mean, well, the well, what, uh, actually Dr. Goldberger, who was the chairman of the kinesiology department at the time, he saw that there was enough interest 
um, with the students there to do a sports communication minor. Mm. And and so um, I was on his radar as someone who could teach a class and kind of connect some of the dots. And uh, Kevin Warner was another. Uh, and this is kind of interesting because Kevin was – I'm either a really good teacher or I'm foolish. I really don't know. Because, um, <laughs> no. because Kevin was my intern in 2002. Now he's my boss. So go figure. <laughs> um, but anyhow, you know, Kevin does a wonderful job. Uh, and, sure does. Uh, so he t- he's been teaching the introduction class, um, and and the it's all it's all been tweaked. But so in 2011, I think it was maybe 10 or 11. I have to go back and look. <laughs> um, I started the broadcasting class, and and I remember that that summer, my wife and I we were driving on vacation, and I said, yeah, I think one thing I'm going to make them do is um, they have to. The, one of the things that that's in the class, they're assigned to a CA team, a basketball team, men or women's for two week increments and they have to file audio reports on them. Oh. And she's like, why would you make them do that? And I said, well, because they have to broadcast. You know? That's right. But many people are certainly uh, one of the biggest fears in life is to speak and you know, general uh, speak to the general public. And so if they can't do that, then they need to reconsider what they're doing. Yeah. But I try to teach the class so that even if you're not going into broadcasting, that there are communication skills that come about from that. And um, I just had a young man that was in the class last year or two years ago, and he's got a job with a marketing firm uh, in Manhattan. And he says, no, it's not sports, but I've got sports clients like the NFL. Mm. So, you know, there's some pieces that come to it and and they can they can use in the real world. That's great to hear. Another example of the well-roundedness of JMU. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's what we try to do. Yeah. So did you get to listen to Coach a- uh, Houston this morning? Um, I think he had the CAA press conference. No, I, I, typically, I typically don't get a chance to hear him on the Mondays. Okay. Um, occasionally I will, but it's not. Um, usually I'm trying to wrap up a lot of other. Oh, yeah. Generally speaking, on Monday, I'm wrapping up what went on during the weekend mm-hmm. and getting all of what I call the Madison Media Team, which is all of these students that are practicums or interns with me, mm-hmm. getting their assignments and getting their paperwork caught up. And then we have a couple of, of meetings on campus um, that I'm involved with external operations, which is new club marketing, uh, athletics communications, uh, Jeff Polglace, the deputy director of. of uh, uh, athletics, we all get together. And so that, that's where I get a lot of the, the communication of what I'm going to be helping to distribute, uh, over the next week, as far as information is concerned, you know, like the dorms are opening or kids, you can win a free tuition or you can win, uh, uh, you know, a meal plan, meal plan, meal plan. Yeah. Meal plans. Yeah. I mean, we got some other ideas that are working on. We just got to get them finalized over the next 42, uh, 48 hours. It's awesome. So what's it been like, um, covering Houston and his coaching staff. We've had a couple external guys like uh, from the DNR, Hero Sports, and they were just raving about how media-friendly Houston and the entire football program has been. Yeah, um, you yes. have a different perspective from the inside, but has it been as positive as an experience as you'd hoped it would be? Absolutely. Um, you know, there certainly the, the one thing that's kind of interesting, uh, and, and we feel this as growing pains every once in a while. I mean, the bigger JMU gets, the more complicated it becomes from an athletic program. And and, um, you know, years ago, um, even if we were in the playoffs, uh, probably things would be not quite as regimented. We, we're very regimented now, very restricted um, on, for example, we, we try to protect this, the time of the student athlete. So 
we have windows of during the week where student athletes are available to the media, for example. Okay. And, and that is that that's standard through a lot of the FBS programs. Cause if you think about it, these, these young men, these young women, they're already committing at least 20 hours a week to their program. Um, and then considering that they've got academics and everything else, if, if Brian Shore had to do an interview as oftentimes as people wanted him to, <laughs> you know, I mean, he wouldn't get anything else done and right. we'd be losing games on Saturday because he wouldn't be prepared. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and the media understand that at times, but some have to learn that you have to get in front of things in order to get, uh, you know, the accessibility. Chris Brooks does a wonderful job to try to accommodate as many people as possible. And Coach Houston is very, um, very accommodating to that, too. And Chris helps with that accommodation because he gives him a heads up on what is coming, what he might expect to come. And, and I mean, when he comes, when he's on his way, uh, Houston, typically when he is on his way to O'Neill's, he is on the phone with somebody either doing a, a radio interview or a, or a print interview while before he gets on there to do a consolidated interview, you know, as far as our fan and press luncheon from O'Neill. So they don't waste any time. No. They don't waste any time. Life of a college coach right there. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. that is very true. Yeah. For people that don't know, the O'Neill's is the weekly uh, coaches show with, with you, Kurt, right? And Coach Houston, and then often a couple of other coaches of other yeah. sports. Right? Yeah, what we try to do every Tuesday from noon until 1, it's, it's streamed online um, through Facebook, Facebook Live, JMU Sports. Mm-hmm. And um, during the football season, we have Coach Houston every, every Tuesday. And then during the basketball season, depending on their travel schedule, you know, we'll have Roe and, and, and um, O'Regan. Mm-hmm. And then we'll try to slide in other coaches. Um, like we'll, in January, we'll get – Coach uh, Eikenberry out there, and um, you know Coach Clay's Balkum, and and the rest of the spring coaches when we can get a chance to spring them in there. Yeah, well, I'll be looking forward to hearing from the new softball crew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have Lauren in there. No <laughs> doubt, we'll have Lauren in there. Yeah. So we did want to ask you. Um, we we heard over the weekend on Saturday, kind of fitting as as uh, or Friday, I guess, as JMU was playing in such an enormous game, um, that one of the true legends of JMU. Uh, former head coach Mickey Matthews retired uh, officially down at Coastal Carolina. He did, yeah. yeah. And uh, we know that Mickey was back for uh, for President Carrier's service this year, right? Um, but we were kind of wondering if there was any 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 Mickey story that that stands out for you that that you could share with everybody. <laughs> well, I think uh, you know one thing I'm weak at is remembering some of those funny stories. <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, I'm not good at humor on those situations. But uh, a few small a few small situations. One one a full disclosure um, is that when I would do interviews with him every Thursday, um, you know, I started doing that with him in 2000 or 2000 or 2001, I think it was. And I remember 2001. The first interview was I called him the Diaper Dukes because the offensive line were all freshmen, you know. And, <laughs> Things like that. He said, oh, I kind of like that. But you had to you had to come in with with pre written questions. And I had to go through the whole thing and say, OK, coach, that's what I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> now. And he was fine with that. Yeah. And, and, and actually that helped because, you know, how slow his draw was or how <laughs> he would stop. And he'd run his fingers through his hair, you know, and he would think and he would say, Kurt, I would say this. Well, well, Mickey, say it. Okay, just say it. Right. So I would usually go in and spend 12 minutes with him. And by the time I edited all the pauses down, it became an eight-minute interview. <laughs> um, so that's that was kind of true there. 
Um, he, of course, he always had his Mickeyisms. Uh, oh yeah, you know, this this boy's so big he he hunts bear with a switch, or <laughs> yeah. that guy plays. You know, he's so bad he can't play dead in a western movie. And <laughs> then he got really fancy and called him spaghetti western. So he really he started to upgrade his, his joke there. <laughs> um, but you had that. But one of the one of the stories that kind of stands out, and this actually involves Mike Schickman too, mm. was uh, we were down uh, playing South Florida. Um, you know, early in Mickey's tenure when South right. Florida was making the transition, they got into one double A at that time and was eventually making the move and they were on their way to the, to the 85 scholarships. And so we went down to Tampa and we played them there with Raymond James stadium where the Buccaneers play. And that was when the hurricane was coming from the coast. I mean, from the Gulf, mm-hmm. you may recall, goes yep. back a few years. So we played, uh, that was a night where, um, where special teams killed us, James, you end up losing, I think, 26 to seven. And um, so that night we couldn't fly out because of the hurricane uh, was coming in. And so they said, well, what we'll do is we'll try to get you out early the next morning. So we're all sitting around the, the bar, quite honestly. And, and Mickey says, he says, Mike, Mike, you know, it's not the wind and the rain that kills people in hurricanes. It's the snakes. What? And yeah. And so Schick's like, what are you talking about? You know, he said, well, what it is, Mike, is that all the snakes, they're going up in the trees and getting to the second level of the houses because they're looking, you know, they're trying to get out of these floods, too. which there was, that was very valid. That was a valid I'm statement. I'm sure it was. Yeah. But Schickman never believed him. You no. know, Schickman never. Of course, Schickman's also the same guy that when you go across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, he thinks the tide is high because the sailing fleet is in. So, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so great. that was just one of those situations. And that story, of course, gets told time and time and time again by Mike now. So that's, but, but Mickey was certainly involved in that, in that story. And oh, we love it. But I, I learned a lot of football working with Mickey Matthews. There's no question about it over the years. I think a ton of us did. <laughs> yes, yeah. So what about this weekend's opponent? Have you gotten to watch any of South Dakota State or just kind of like we did getting to watch them a little bit this weekend maybe? That was really all that I, I did get a chance to see. I do want to give Chris Brooks credit because probably about uh, early October, he was saying, you better watch out South Dakota State. They may oh. be the best team in the field. Because um, he's the, he gets involved with the weekly polls and he was watching what they were doing and paying very close attention and so um so my first chance to really watch them was this weekend uh, as i sat here in my home um <laughs> watching it online while keeping a track of what the dukes were doing up at uh, jamaica new york and women's basketball, basketball and keeping another eye on the army navy game yeah <laughs> uh, which is the closest i'm getting to my bucket list to go to that game uh, yeah. but um but i did watch them the first half and um i was very impressed i think they're a team uh, much like JMU, that's very difficult to prepare for because they've got so many weapons. And, uh, I mean, their offensive line is just – you're going to need bigger, more than a switch to, to hunt these grizzly bears because <laughs> they are big. They're all 300 pounds. Uh, hopefully, JMU speed can counteract to act that a little bit. But I think the number of offensive weapons they have uh, poses um, poses some concern and will create a situation where – uh, the one thing I think this that's really been uh, key to this team this year defensively is the discipline of the defense to do its job man for man, to not go rogue. And mm-hmm. it may be this, this is going to be um, 
and it's going to be a situation where you may want to do that, but you've got to hold your ground. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to do your job. Otherwise, they can pick you apart. So I think they will get their yardage. I think they will put some points up, but you just you don't want it to be real easy. Yeah, well, that's great insight into this game. I, I think we think the same thing. I, we, we were hoping that uh, South Dakota hasn't seen anything like the JMU defense either. So, right. Yes. You know, yes. Um, yeah. It works both ways. Yeah. It does. No, they, they yeah. are a dangerous team. Like you said, they've got a lot of weapons. And, um, you know, we, we were kind of worried about Weber State's size on the lines, and it's not going to get any easier this week. No, it's not. No, it's not. Hey, you, you got, you really got four good teams in this field at this point. You had eight, really eight good teams in the field. Probably North, New Hampshire was probably the one that was the big surprise making the final eight. Sure. Because uh, I, I fully anticipate, I mean, I was concerned. Um, you know, in October myself of facing Central Arkansas, yeah. uh, you know, before you get to Frisco. So, um, you know, but it, it doesn't matter. You're going to face somebody that's pretty darn good when you get to this weekend. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you know, there's no easy outs. There is no, there is really no easy out. And uh, the way that the season has played out this year for the Dukes, um, you know, it has provided some anxiety to fans, I think, at times, certainly, but because of the, how good the offense, how, really explosive the offense was the last couple of years but uh you know i, I think you're going to see what to me makes it really exciting and and then when you make a you have a comeback a comeback like you did last friday even much more you know magnified because of hey these are these are good teams that you do this with absolutely um yeah and we we think um i mean one thing that got overlooked in everybody's sort of nerve-wracking fourth quarter third this past week was was jmu's offense was really back on track this week yeah, a little bit in it some was. ways, more than yeah. it has been in a while. I mean, the, the, ru the rushing game was yeah, there, which yeah. I think that's where we've, we have not seen it quite be there. But, you know, you know what's, it's been misleading to a certain degree, and I think the main reason is because they haven't been put up those monster numbers. And this has been a year where big plays have been very rare. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, it, I, think, I, don't, I think we went into week 10, and Brian's longest pass was 39 yards. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 So it, it it was just that kind of season. But then again, when you've got a, in my opinion, um, when you've got a defense as good as that, you don't you you your risk management changes. Big when time. You've got that good of a defense. Um, you know, you're not you're not uh, putting the, the 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 chip on you know double zero all the time. You can spread it out a little bit and and make your way down the field. So. But that's my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm sure Coach Kirk Patrick says, no, no, we don't want to blow him up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kirk, before we uh, let you get off of here and get back to your work preparing for another week of JMU Sports, um, we're going to start asking all of our guests this, and we don't know if we'll use this tonight or, or down the road somewhere. Um, but one thing, and the reason that we've um, – big thanks to Meredith Crawford, uh, Meredith Cox, for sort of bringing us into the fold a couple years ago uh, to help out with JMU Giving Day. And that's been our kind of window into getting to know some of you guys on the inside. And mm -hmm. we are hopefully going to put together something again this year um, in advance of March's big fundraising drive. And we were wondering if, if you could just say a word or two about why Giving Day matters at JMU. Well, I think it matters in a, in a variety of ways. And let me go what really is close to my heart about it is that uh, you know, people will ask me and they've asked me throughout the years. And, and I, I mentioned uh, about being an SID for a while and 
I came through the ranks here at James Madison, known um, professionally as a baseball sports information director with my work during the summertime in the collegiate leagues. And then, of course, with the Diamond Dukes, uh, with Coach Babcock and Coach mm-hmm. McFarlane, Coach Anderson, all those guys. But anyway, but in, when I started to do more radio and started to do the Madison, um, I realized that it was not so much the sport as it was the student-athletes. Mm-hmm. And uh, under the leadership of Mr. Bourne and Charlie King and the presidents here over the last number of years, from Carrier to Rose to, to Alger, um, I, I think the investment that the Duke Club folks are making or the investment that people are making at James Madison is being wisely spent and plowed back in that it is making great returns on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, looking at the holistic approach of the JMU athletic program, we are setting these students up to be successful. The model sort of like, I like to think about it like the New York Yankees. They spend a lot of money. You expect them to be the playoffs. Will that guarantee a championship? No, but the expectation is at least to have the opportunity to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have that same type of attitude, And but it takes all of these other aspects beyond the scholarships that help to support these student-athletes so that they can be successful. You take the other stresses away from them to a certain degree, uh, or you make it, um, you make, you set them up for success. And so by being, uh, you know, by giving to James Madison, you, you get that aspect. The other thing is I know people are passionate about JMU, but what I don't understand is that regardless of that passion, we're not seeing, and this is just an honest statement, yep. we're not seeing the return of investment back to the university that correlates to that passion, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is uh, uh, there's I can't figure it out. It's a phenomenon. It's a it's a dynamic that just puzzles me, um, you know, and you can go back historically when JMU was a teacher's college. It's understandable. They don't mm-hmm. have a lot. You know, teachers, we need them desperately. I wish they could be paid more. It's just an economic thing. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of alums out there that can support. And and I think it works. It, it churns that economics that the purple and gold can come up with. Yeah. So I think it's important to give on Giving Day for those two reasons. It's That's working, awesome. and uh, and we need more people to show their passion by giving back. Well, we'd love to hear that, and uh, it's, it's, there's certainly no more authoritative voice on those things than yours. Well, so, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, Kurt, um, we really can't thank you enough for the time. It, it means a ton to us. It's really exciting, not only for us, but I'm sure for those few people that, that, <laughs> that listen and care about us and, and what we've been doing as well. So we are so appreciative of your time and we, we hope that you will get a chance to be a little bit of a fan again this weekend and, uh, and maybe for another few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, no doubt. And uh, you know, we appreciate what you're doing and we certainly do appreciate the fans out there because we're doing it for those folks as well. And uh, no, we know that everybody's out there bleeding purple and gold. And so Uh, Keep up the good work, guys. All right. Thank you very much, Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. My pleasure. Appreciate it. See ya. Well, we are going to have a hard time following that level of professionalism, (laughs) Uh, I would say. Wouldn't you, Rob? Yeah. Just a little bit. My voice is now like, uh, it feels even worse than normal. Well, mine's still recovering from Friday for sure. So, um But without further ado, we will move on to the normal portion of the podcast. We hope everybody enjoyed having um, the sweet stylings of Kurt Dudley on here with us this week. So we are going to do four downs, which we will preface and warn you may turn into, may bleed into five or six downs 
um, on the Weber State game. I, I think this outcome and this game warrant um, some discussion. And to be honest, you know, I think we all have the same concerns, and we'll, we'll get there in a second. But this, what's what, what we want to do right now is kind of celebrate what we saw on Friday. Rob, you want to take first down? Yeah, just I mean, I don't know what else that was. Like, that was just so much fun. Uh, we can get into the whole. It was awesome. We can kind of fake our way through the analysis like we do every week. Oh, I'm later, in full but, Chris Farley land here. I'm just like, it was awesome. But, but it was just, I mean, and it's funny, like, most of the JMU fans that I interact with mm-hmm. had the same same reaction, like, oh my gosh, that that's why we watch football. Yep. To see that, you know, you see the team take punches, and then um, then you kind of start talking to other people, and I, I don't know if we're just blinded by, by our purple passion right now. <laughs> Or so people are like, "Oh, JMU almost let one get away." But Come on, I don't, I don't do it that way. Like, maybe no. I'm just I don't know, like Weber State impressed me. I thought that was a really well played game. I thought JMU played really well. You know, there's a couple mistakes. Yep. Um, JMU's been really lucky in this year. They haven't made a lot of mistakes, but the old cliche, you know, like most games come down to one or two plays, or it's not a you know you lose more games than you than you win type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with mistakes. <clears throat> They had two bad plays on pass coverage. They did. And it was a game. Um, and Shore had a bad throw. But it just was exciting. Like, it, just to see them come back, um, I was so impressed with Weber State. They, they could Me have too. just gone away at yep. halftime. Yep. Because they were not doing anything. And, nope. you know, I was interacting with people on Twitter, and they're like, I don't know, I'm nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? Weber State is not going to move the ball. Mm-mm. And then we kind of got roasted for tweeting out. Yeah, like, I'm the one who said mm-hmm. they weren't going to score again after Jamie's win yeah. 21-17. Yeah. Well, I'm the one who pretty much said the game. I, I was like throwing the white flag when they went down 28-20. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I just it was such a good time. My dad, I said yeah. this after the game. My dad's 73 years old. He's calling me Friday night, like 10:30, 11 o'clock, just to talk about the game. It was that sort of thing. Like it just was so so much fun and. Every season has we've been fortunate have, have a couple of these games um, that kind of stand out from the rest. Like last year, we talked about it ended the best way it possibly could, winning the championship. Yeah, sure. But I'm not going to think of that championship game when I look back five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. No, I'll think of you know the North Dakota State game, the Richmond game, the Sam Houston game. Um, yep, there's certain ones that stand out. I think no matter what happens, um, win or God forbid we lose. This is a game I'm going to remember as just having it just be a fantastic experience. Yeah, um, as a fan, it was just it was a blast. I think when I look back on the '08 season when JMU was in this exact same position where they were the number one seed and hosting all the way through, you know, I, I, sure I remember being out there in the cold at the Montana game and and having Rodney go down and and that being a heartbreaking loss. But it certainly doesn't diminish in my own memory the App State game or the Villanova game. From earlier, in the, or the Richmond game from earlier in the season, right? Or the I Villanova mean, playoff game, or the Villanova playoff where, game, where Landers, you know, led the fourth quarter drive. That's or right. The Wofford game, the Wofford game, Wofford game too. Year. Yeah, I mean, all yeah. those games. I mean, obviously the Scotty return at, at Richmond and the Hail Mary up at Villanova and the App State game. I think for both of us, we talked about this a long time ago as our all-time favorite game at Bridgeforth. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm with you, and I guess I'll just get this out of the way now, and I won't save it for a concern in the way that you were now that you brought this up, but I do think we, we are fans of JMU and we want the team to win every week. But we, if I was just watching this game on TV, the way that our fathers were to some extent, I just think that's an awesome college football game. Right. Yeah. And people lose track. I mean, on at the tailgate this week, you know, there's this just hue and cry from some people about 
paving Godwin Field with a parking lot that is going to be specially designed for tailgating, by the way, with extra large spots. Um, And there's this complaining online about attendance and, you know, come on. I mean, if you're not there, you don't get to complain about attendance, A. (laughs) And B, right, you don't get to lob things in from Northern Virginia where you're watching at a sports bar about attendance. Um, And the students were fantastic this week. I mean, they were incredible. And people are already like gnashing their teeth about potential for students not to be there this week after exams. It was a great crowd. Yeah, it was. These playoff crowds are great. And I expect it'll be even better this weekend with or without the same number of students. Um, You know, I I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think we take our eye off the ball sometimes and, and we get so focused on winning again, winning everything and winning every game like the way we beat, you know, Sam Houston and New Hampshire in the playoffs last year. When take a step back, the number one team in the country just converted three straight unbelievable plays in the last three minutes of a football game to come back and win that thing. That is fantastic as a fan. And it also shows you how close the margin is. They easily could have lost. Yes. Easily could have lost. And I would have been very upset. You know, I'll be sure if, if things were, I'll be upset. But like, it's not going to change the fact that this has been a really fun season. Right. Um, I still think there's, there's more fun to be had. I, I do too. This team I... has the potential to win and all. Yep. But it, one of the, the good and bad of playoff situations is, you know, everybody but one fan base is disappointed, and that disappointment is always legitimate. You know, you want to win and all, but it, no team left is going to have a bad season, no matter what happens. The nope. 14, you know, like including JMU. And I don't want. I know people are all oh, your defeatist or I'm like hedging it. That's not the case at all. No, I'm just. I'm really trying to enjoy these games and be a fan that that is positive and likes stuff rather than somebody in the past who's been a, a complete nervous wreck. You know, right. Todd and I were chatting like I'm a diehard Giants, <laughs> Giants fan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when they won that Super Bowl, the first one of the Patriots, it was about as fun as as much fun as I had watching a sporting event. When they won the second one against the Patriots, I didn't enjoy it at all. And I, I can't remember because I'm mortified to think about this. We have a video of my two boys dancing around at halftime, just having a blast being little kids. They were, you know, like, you know, preschoolers at the time. And I'm in the background and I'm a nervous wreck at halftime. <laughs> and I just, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, my kids are having fun. My wife's taking videos of them. And I'm just this sad sack loser who's not even enjoying his team being on the biggest stage. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, I did not have a single bit of enjoyment in that game until Manningham caught the pass. Right. And they won. And I didn't even feel good. I was like relieved. And then I saw the video and I just felt embarrassed and pathetic <laughs> and like that is no way to be a sports fan and no. i've just tried so much harder like one of the full confession one of the reasons i really like being uh jamie stuff is because it connects me with guys like you my friends right. as a giants fan growing up in tc and a Mets <laughs> fan i don't have a lot of common like shared experiences right so it's just so much. and also like jamie it's it's important it's big it's um fcs it's getting good notoriety but it's also something that has a different perspective you can kind of it's not in your face. If JMU loses, it's not front page of the paper. Right. Um, it's not turning on sports talk radio. So it's been really good for me just to enjoy it for what it is. It's a fun distraction and coming together with me and, and my friends and, and my family. So I don't know. And Friday was just the culmination of that for me. It was just, it's why I'm a sports fan. There was a little, uh, there was a little JMU talk to lead off the sports junkies this morning. So there was some talk radio. On, but on that's JMU. great. See, but that yeah. gets, but every, that's all. Everybody, 
yeah. that's good. Like that's still exciting to me. Like I still get a kick out of that. Like if I pick up a paper, or if you see him mentioned like on ESPN, it's like it's still just fun. It's not. I mean, God forbid you're like an Ohio State fan after <laughs> after that playoff. Like at least you can get away. I just feel like it's a little bit healthier in terms of perspective. Yes, and, um, I, and I'm trying to keep that perspective because mm-hmm. I, I part of me is still very very nervous and, um, about it going on. But I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> it's not the world's not gonna end if Jamie. That's right. If Jamie loses. And and on that note, I mean, just back on the field for a second. You mentioned those two long pass plays. It's not like Jamie was out of position or in the wrong defense on the either of those two plays. Those Weber State kids made great plays. Yeah. You know, I mean, both those plays. You could say a Jamie could miss the ball on the first one, or you know, wasn't able to break it up, or didn't get his head around on the second one. But it's not like it was a terribly called game. And for me, my second down is what we talked about a little bit with Kurt is the offense was rolling in this game. They had 500 yards of offense against one of the best defenses in the country. By far the best defense in the Big Sky Conference. Um, They had 29 first downs in this game. You know, yes, Brian Shore was under significant heat in critical portions of this game. Yes, they lost Jahi Jackson on the offensive line and had to replace him with a younger player, and that probably led to some of that. But the offense, I mean, Marcus Marshall was rolling in this game. You know, if he doesn't get that third touchdown call back, we're talking about one of those all-time playoff run, rushing performances. Um, it was Instead over- of the all-time receiving performance? <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, I know. I, we're, we're burying the lead here. But, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just think the offense in general, and, and, and for people that watched that game and thought, well, Jamie was down at the end, and we all thought they were dead, and so they were terrible, that actually isn't the case. This was not the offense we saw the week before against Stony Brook or many of the weeks that were important during the regular season. This was the offense we saw at East Carolina where there were the big plays that Kurt mentioned weren't there. And some of those came from Marshall. Some of those came from Alls. And a big number of them came from Rob's third down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? Well, we can save it. <laughs> yeah. Because well, that'll just be a rant. So. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, I just – I'm really excited. And I, and, and I know that we as fans are just so, like, having this huge sigh of relief. And, you know, for me in the stands, I mean, that, those last three plays were – you know, it was a religious experience in there with the few fans I was sitting in the stands with, right? I mean, it was, yeah. we were just hugging and so happy at the end of the game. I mean, I was speechless, uh, which, as you guys know, is rare. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm really excited about the offense coming this week as, as my second down. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Like, somebody was saying, I don't know, somebody was tweeting us or commenting on the blog, like, oh, Jamie's, you know, lucky to win. They, they stole that win. I thought it was the other way. Like, Weber State was in position to steal it. And I I don't mean that as a slight to them. I mean that as a compliment. Like, they hung around. They had no business being in that game. The offense for Jamie was terrific, but weren't, you know, wasn't finishing drives. So it was close enough for, you know, Weber State countered and had a couple big plays went in. But by no means did I feel that was an unjustified result. No, I mean, Jamie, that was two great teams, and Jamie made more plays. Right. Um, I mean, you could argue Jamie stole the game in the last three minutes in terms of, getting the ball back and, and scoring again to win in regulation, yeah. I think. But but JMU outgained Weber State by more than 200 yards. They had three times as many first downs as Weber yeah. State. So let's not, you know, throw ourselves off of the top of Wilson Hall here about, yeah. the, about this game, you know. Um, I'm excited to see what JMU does against South Dakota State, who, while they play in the Valley, 
has been prone this season to give up some monster offensive numbers against good teams. They themselves score quite a bit and are obviously a tough opponent in every regard. But, you know, the one thing when we talked to Brian McLaughlin a couple weeks ago about Weber was how good they were defensively. And this week, you know, last week the over-under was like 36 points. This week it's 58 or something. So I think people realize JMU South Dakota may be a, a whole different animal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, what about you for third down? I'll actually I'll save the obvious because yeah. I'm sure we'll both just start talking about that. But um, the the last three and out that the defense forced oh, was yeah. just amazing. You know, because a couple of series before that when they went down, it looked like the wheels were coming off. You know, I, I tweeted something like, you know, that's it. it. It's all over. I thought it was done. Not just that they went down, but then what they get three straight penalties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Essentially was go backwards. Mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It was so weird because it really looked like like the pressure had gotten to everybody in JMU and, and the I, wheels were completely coming off. Yep. And then it's like they flipped a switch. Yep. And the offense did it, but then I was like, okay, they did. Is it going to be off or not? Because there still were what, like under a little under two minutes. Like there right. still was enough time where something could happen. And the defense came out, and it was like, what? They stopped the guy running for one yard incompletion, and then Jimmy had that pass deflection. Yep, and it was just like nope. We're, the defense was right back to that level. Um, oh yeah, it's just amazing how how those guys, like anybody that plays corner, plays defensive back, really needs to have that mentality that you know, oh, it was, it was a fluke play, I got beat, no big deal. But to see the entire defense have that attitude and come out when JMU needed needed them to play their best and to do it with the game on the line and not just get the ball back, but to just do it, you know, thirty seconds later in three plays. Oh yeah, that was it. Was like, oh wow, there's something special going on here. And it wasn't just that. I mean, it's also when you're there in the stadium and you see Weber State. They score that touchdown. They go up eight, and they're over on the sideline thinking they have done it, mm-hmm. right? And, and then, I loved that call, by the way. Even as an opposing fan, oh yeah, the, the play actually go over the top. Oh yeah, that, great that call. was just that was just cold blooded. Yeah, it was kind of the old Tebow play where the quarterback kind of runs into the line like it's gonna like he's gonna run so, and then pulls back yeah. and yeah, yeah, it was like the no, pot was, pass. Yeah, yeah it's great call and uh. But when they went over to the sidelines, I mean, they, they thought they had done it. And mm-hmm. then the champs responded. And when Weber State came back on the field for that last, what became their last drive, um, you know, the crowd also, who, like we all said, thought we were dead and buried, all of a sudden, it was just a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You know, and I think that's important to keep in mind this week against South Dakota State. This is a team that has never been to the FCS championship. Um you know, they've been good for a number of years now. Their whole conference has risen largely on the backs of the Bison. But this is, you know. Who they've it, beaten two years in a row. They have. There's no yeah. doubt about that, as JMU yeah. beat JMU did last year as well. Yeah. So I, I just think it's interesting in these tight games and when it really gets on the line, you know, JMU looked like the champs in the last three minutes. And if they get a chance to you know, punch South Dakota State in the mouth a little bit this week. It'll be interesting to see how the Jackrabbits respond as well. So um, for me, on fourth down, and, and we'll save, like you said, I mean, our in, some of our individual players, um, we'll just go through the list in a second. But I, let's not get lost in this whole thing. Is that cut from Trey Sharp on the two-point conversion is a play that yeah. I don't want to get lost in this mix. Um, you know, Obviously, the touchdown from the day one of the day's heroes. Um, obviously, the field goal we'll get to in a second, and then of course Marcus Marshall, who had had a great evening, 
and really been the lead back throughout the night, um, was a little nicked up at the end of the game, and Trey Sharp was in there on the two-point conversion. And that was not there. That play, no. like They had run that earlier in the game, and he had been stopped, and they ran it again, and it wasn't there. And I thought, watching on the stopped. replay, oh, I thought for sure he was going to try to go stopped. outside yeah. and just get run to the sidelines, basically. No, I, I, I was like, oh, somehow he over. saw that and cut that back in. And that should not get lost in the... Sort of in the in the parade of other heroes in this game. I don't I don't want to lose sight of that cut from Trey Sharp. So that that just as an individual play, that that was an unbelievable play. Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Rob, do you want to talk a little bit about Riley? Well, I mean, what we were we had a buddy. Um, our buddy Jamie was watching the game on DVR and texting us from behind. And he texted us. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm behind, but." Riley Stapleton, what a catch! And I wanted to be like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> right. But he didn't want he didn't want to spoil it. I mean, yeah. every time he 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 didn't just catch like, oh, that's a big play, big play. It was like jaw dropping season highlight type catches repeatedly. Oh. I mean, we um, we heard this in the off season that that he was capable of this. You yeah, know, from I mean, people who were yeah. I think Chase Kitty's the first guy I heard really talking up. This guy's got hands. This guy's yeah. got hands. He can just go up and get it. Yeah, and did he ever do that? I mean, on a come on, night? that was just—I mean, you talk about the best player on the field. It was not in doubt in this game. No, no. I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, that is a legendary. I, I don't know that we've ever seen another JMU wide receiver performance like that. And I mean, that's tough. Rob and I were not around for the Gary Clark days, so I'm sure there's—I'm sure there's some magnificent highlights back then. Um, you know, and we saw Macy Brooks and a, a few Dave, guys. I saw David McLeod. Yeah, great, in our time. Who were, different sort of players. Yeah, great players. Um, and obviously last year with Ravenel and Taylor and, and company, you know, we've seen good players. Daniel Brown's still in the NFL right now. But that was really, really something special. And those, like you said, the, the importance of the plays themselves, right? I mean, the one-handed where he caught it against the guy's back on the yeah. sideline. Obviously, it's third and nine with two minutes to go, and you're down eight, and you just run away from somebody and basically yeah. throw them on the ground and make a touchdown catch. I mean that, yeah. and then just standing there in the end zone. Yeah, too. Yeah. I mean it doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. So I just hats off to to Stapleton, and certainly it's going to be interesting to watch South Dakota State prepare for JMU this week because you know. That Jamie did a lot of work with Terrence Alls in the run game this week, which was really successful, including a 30-yarder that got called back. Well, those were technically passes, though. They, they, yeah, you're right. The they were flips. technically passes, right? Yeah. Um, we know Eldridge can catch the ball. Um, you know, there's plenty of weapons out there, but I think most people have probably prepared this season largely to stop John Miller and Terrence Alls. And to see a guy like Stapleton, if you're, you know, that second or third corner at South Dakota State, you're watching that tip film pretty close right now. So, and and yeah. you're trying to grow. He's six yes. five. I mean, yeah. there's that's that's big at you know the college level, but particularly the FCS level, there aren't a lot of corners. No, we're going to go above six feet. No, um, you know, so that he's he's a matchup nightmare. No, and then as Rob said, um, Jimmy did what Jimmy does. Uh, he giveth and he taketh away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he had great plays and tough ones, he, but he, he never he gets down. One. You know. Yeah. Um, and comes back when he does. Um, he's got the perfect mentality for a corner. Really does. It's just you know, he's like a you know a jump shooter corner that's same yep. sort of like just next next play. But yep. 
Man, uh, he came up big. That was one amazing play. Yeah, and then Kyrie Hawkins uh, was all over the field this week, and I, I think Hawkins and Herford are going to be enormous against South Dakota State's tight end this week, who is a stud. Um, he did he get a little banged up in this game this week. Well, so, he didn't really play, didn't he? No, play he only played first really the first, first Yeah, he, he went out in the first quarter with an ankle injury. Now, obviously, South Dakota State blew out New Hampshire this week, so I, you know, some of that is probably – I mean, I don't know what the, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that says about. Yeah, I don't know what that says about his availability for this week. Um, but he, Dallas he Goddard. He is didn't the practice kid. today. Okay, so, and and I don't know that he'll practice all week on a sprained ankle, but no, he certainly they, may be ready to go. And but even at fifty percent, yeah, that's be, a big. He'll be a big a loss for him. Yeah. yeah. So well, um, or just even if he's like at fifty percent, he's still good enough that he can make a difference in the game. Oh yeah, but I think that Hawk, the way Hawkins played this week and Herford, I mean, those guys are going to be huge coming up. Um, and then our last one here in this extended four downs. I mean, we got to give it to Ethan Racky. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right? I mean, I mean that is an all-timer kick at JMU. We didn't think we thought it would be very tough to top Tyler Gray's forty-five yarder in the Fargo Dome last year. Um, I don't know, half dozen of one, six of the other. That is yeah. incredible. Um, as, as some of people may know, Ethan Racky's um, young player. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, his roommates have been having a great deal of fun with him. They apparently are not all football players and they have had a, they didn't expect him to play much this year. And obviously he has played a great deal and uh, they've been having a lot of fun with him last week. They had their, uh, they had a big fat head of Ethan Racky on top of their Christmas tree before the game. Um, now they might as well blow a whole picture of him up on front of their house. Um, I, I did, don't know. I didn't, did you, I thought he was going to make it. Didn't you? I, I don't know. When yeah, he, yeah. I, I, at that point, I don't know. I was so kind of in a daze. Um, I didn't have anything to drink or anything this game. I was like, I'm just like zoned in, but it's still just a complete blur. Like it was just a, it really a rush of emotions. I thought when Jamie started to drive that they were going to score and miss the two point conversion. I was like, this is, it's just, I've got a weird feeling about this oh, yeah. because they were so good at this kind of like, you know, run it, run it, chunk of a play. Oh my gosh. It's third and long throw to Stapleton. I was like, what are they going to do a two point conversion? And mm-hmm. I was going back to my nervous fan thing that I'm trying to get away from before they even scored. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to do on the, on the two point conversion? So it was like this weird confidence they were going to score, but then are they going to convert by the time the kick came about? I think my emotions were just fried and I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> right, right, right. That's probably but, a pretty good way of describing it. Yeah. You know, it was, just, it was like, is this really happening? Did yeah. you see his press conference? Like, no. I mean, talk, I, it's just like either a coach's dream or the most brainwashed child on earth. He's like, they're asking what happened. Were you nervous? He's like, oh, I never kicked one before. And, you know, well, the guys up front did the tough job. You know, they had to block everybody and then the snapper. I had the easy job. And he's saying this without any chance of irony. <laughs> <laughs> Even sure, the other guys are looking at him like, dude, you just hit a 46 yard kick. I know. And it was like, I guess the type of person that can hit a 46 yard kick is the type of person that can put himself in the mindset that, like, I'm just doing my job. Everybody else's job is, yeah. is just as important, you know. It, oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it was cool, and it kind of spoke. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but to me, it was like, man, Houston really has these guys playing the right way and playing for each other. And oh yeah, I, I mean, I know a young guy. Maybe you, you got to earn your spot in the locker room, but either wise beyond his years, or man, that kid is brainwashed. Yeah. Well, two last things on that. I mean, I one, another example of Coach Houston knowing what he's doing way better than the rest of us do was Jamie scores on the long touchdown to Riley Stapleton. 
and JMU had two timeouts left and two minutes, two oh eight or whatever it was to go, and Houston called timeout on the two point conversion. And in the stands, we all kind of talked about like, oh my gosh, like like what you were saying, Rob. Like if they don't make it, that what are you you're do? burning yeah. that timeout, and like you might have a chance to get the ball back. Um, but obviously, I think Houston probably thought we got to make it. <laughs> And he knew his team better than we did, and they needed a chance to collect themselves and, and get ready for that two-point conversion that Trey Sharp ran in. So, I mean, that's one thing for sure. And then on Ratke, um, the funniest thing post-game was, did you see Dan Steinberg of the Washington Post, his tweet yeah. about Ratke? He had put a picture of Ethan Ratke up, and he said, you know, this kid just drilled a game-winning field goal for JMU, and he, his bedtime was an hour ago. Yeah. And the best thing about it was that JMU freshman Australian punter, Harry O'Kelly, responded with, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> or 100% true. Yeah. He was tweeting stuff that, yeah. was, that was so funny. It was oh. such like Aussie speak. He's like, oh, what a ripper of a game, mate. But I was like, <laughs> I got to find the tweet. I want to make it into like a poster for my house. Was, yeah. Rob so and I weird. have been, yeah. yeah. I'm just, it, it's so weird that like, we were so excited when they yes. signed him. We're like, oh, Australian punter. Oh, it'll be so Because, first of all, they appear to be dominating college football the past couple of years. Right. Um, but it's also kind of like, oh, it's some interesting story. He's been amazing. Like, it, it's bizarre that you'd have a freshman punter of a team that's won, what, 25 straight? Mm-hmm. And the guy's like a fan favorite. You know, he hasn't been around. It's, it's just, it's funny. That guy just cracks me Oh, up. it's Tweets. awesome. Yeah, the tweets were so funny. With like all the Aussie dialogue and yeah. <laughs> and to hear his friends like because people refer to him as a rugby punter. I guess when we do that, yeah, it's it's not cool. He's like, oh, all his friends from Australia are like, why do they call it rugby? It's footy. <laughs> and <all this> stuff. <laughs> and I don't know, man. Sometimes I might have perused his mentions a few times That's and laughed out loud. Yes. Oh well, that finally brings us through most of the Weber State game here. Um, Rob, what are you either concerned about or excited about going into South Dakota State this weekend? Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited to be back in the semis going, sure. going back to back. Is, yeah. Final is four. Awesome. Yep. Final four. Um, I'm just trying to look, trying to approach it like the last week. Like, Hey, it's another game with a great team. I think home field is going to be a big advantage. Huge. I, yeah. I am concerned, um, about the injuries. Jackson, um, mm-hmm. on the offensive line, Klusterman, um, Curtis Oliver, C- Curtis Oliver, but, but I'm seeing, yeah, but I'm seeing mostly with regard to the offensive line. Yeah, I think um, so. You guys, you know, they're switching positions in mm-hmm. the second half. And they definitely stepped up when needed. Um, but it's just a tall order to go out there, you know, play a full game with, with multiple backups, um, considering they even lost people in the preseason. So I'm just worried if it, it eventually is it going to catch up with JMU. Um, and if it is going to catch up with JMU, it will be, you know, against a team like South Dakota State or, you know, Another another top team in North Dakota State or Sam Houston. So yeah, um, it just it. Jamie was really fortunate last year. A ton of injuries, ton of people out with suspensions and stuff, and they were able to get through it. I'm hoping we have that same sort of luck and um, and fortunate outcome that we this year. Yeah, this is when I think the coaching staff and home field can can really make a big difference. Is on a week like this um, when they are going to have to fill in and they have to make the kids believe again. But it may not even be as hard this year um, coming off a win like that. So. Uh, my big thing this weekend is um, I, I'm just excited. I mean, you brought up my big concern, which is injuries. Um, I, I don't really have anything. I mean, sure, I'm concerned about the quality of South Dakota State, but anybody left in the playoffs right now would be the same concern. Um, and I'm just really, really excited to watch 
the best defense in the country against the best passing attack in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, South Dakota State has an NFL prospect tight end and an NFL prospect wide receiver. They will be facing – that tight end has not played against anyone with the amount of big game experience of either one, much less two, of Raven Green and Jordan Brown um, at the safety position. Um, you know, their wide receiver, Winicky is going to obviously match up mostly with Rashad Robinson and Jimmy Moreland. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, JMU's D-line, for those that don't know, uh, South Dakota State's quarterback, Taron Christian, is a uh, – is like a mini Russell Wilson. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's going to be – JMU has played so well at just kind of collapsing the pocket and forcing quarterbacks to be where they want them to be, not necessarily sacking them all the time in the playoffs, but controlling the line of scrimmage. And watching Ankara and company match up with uh, Christian, it's just going to be awesome to watch this week. I, as a fan, just enjoy it a little bit. It's going to be a fun thing to watch. So – I think that uh, you have anything else there, Rob? No, I just think that's a good point, though. When you talk about defensive line play, like when you've got guys who can run the ball and throw on the run, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you need to do you know an all-out pass rush. You got to get to them, but other times you just need to kind of play contain and keep the pocket around them because you don't want to get them scrambling. So it's it's always a tough balance. It'll be fun to watch and see how they do it this weekend. Yeah, and just cruising around, like listening to a few South Dakota State fans today online. They have a lot of the same concerns with their offense that JMU does with our own offense, which is they're really concerned about JMU being able to stop the run and force them to be one-dimensional, as good as they are throwing the ball, which is pretty much what we've – I mean, that's, that's, that's a mirror image of our concerns about JMU for most of this season has been, okay, we know we can go to the passing game and we have talent and we'll figure it out, but if we, when we've really been bottled up in the running game is when we struggled. And it was great, you know, so I, who knows? I don't know what to make of this game. Um, I think it's going to be great. JMU's a three-point favorite early on, which means Vegas thinks it's an even game were it not for the whole home field. And uh, I think that's probably pretty accurate. So tonight we are going to do a quick overtime. Um, we know we've been a little long on everything else, um, but we got suggested by a couple people today some version or some variation of our bu- bucket list sporting events that we have not that we would love to go to. Um, Rob and I decided we're going to do this. We're going to choose events that are not teams that we support. So Rob's not going to choose any New York teams. I'm not going to choose any Washington teams. We're not going to choose JMU. Um, we're not going to choose the FBF teams that we, to some extent, support. Um, so we'll, we'll move on from there. Rob, what's your first one? Um, yeah, and just with those caveats, like obviously it's not going to be like you know, I'm not all New York teams, by the way. Oh, no, no, like you're Caps, Caps, Stanley, DC United, or yeah, or, or the Wizards, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure, Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. I want to see. I, well, I wanted to say a Nats or Wizards, you know, championship round game, but that I don't get to say that because that's the rules for tonight. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I've got a feeling this might be on your list too, but I'd really like to go to the Kentucky Derby. Yep, that was. Yep. Okay, I Good. Great. No, 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 but, that's um, great. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the reasons is I think it would be fun, and it's one of the few events, sporting events, my wife really wants to go to. <laughs> um, I'm not talking like the infield. I would like to go and be with kind of all the, the fancy people Yes. in the grandstands, you know, get all dressed up and get the seersucker suit, and, you know, Jessica would get her big hat and drink our mint and juleps and the whole pageantry yep. of it. Um, 
I, I think I don't know. I just I love the Derby. I don't claim to be like a big horse racing fan, but I do like tuning in for the Triple Crown. Um, my kids like it. Like we always get together and we have a little family party and we watch mm-hmm. it. And it's just cool playing my old Kentucky home and the whole nine. Yep. Um, I've been to the Preakness. That is not as fancy. Yes, we have maybe been to the Preakness together, and it is definitely yes. not as fancy. Um, <laughs> yes, and and I would not recommend putting that on anybody's bucket list. Um, and I'm so glad there were no cell phones when we went to the Preakness. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's just a different vibe. But I don't know. I just always want to go to the Derby. I think it'd be mm-hmm. a really fun, fun experience. Yeah, that's a that that would be a big one for me. Um, the rest of mine were were international. Uh, okay, mine are two. I didn't okay, want to cool. go too far off there, but I'm no, going to go the same no. I, I, would I love, think they're going to be the same, by the way. <laughs> th- they may be, yeah. Um, I, I I may have even talked about this at one other time on this sh- on our, on the pod, but um, I'd love to go to one of the games, the Big Three in Istanbul, in Turkey. Mm-hmm. This is the Besiktas, Galatasaray, yeah. Fenerbahce, which I'm probably botching all of those names, um, but those are sort of the three major uh, soccer teams. In, in Turkey. And, you know, for those that don't know, I mean, there's a lot of water there and, and they take like boats, like an armada of boats with flares and it's insanity. And I mean, you talk about the, str- the streets are on fire. And yes. Like, like, up to it. Yeah. You take like Auburn, Alabama, Army, Navy and Duke, North Carolina and combine them all in one and, and, and then add like political strife and religious strife in the middle of it. And West and, Virginia couch burning, yes, but and West in a Virginia, moving form. Yes, and 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 that's what you have with the uh, sort of the the Turkish big three. So didn't didn't Spencer Hall? Do I think an so. About he met that, like yeah. two three years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's legitimate yeah. like hatred and threat of violence and you know serious political problems and stuff going on at all of these games. So I couldn't tell you which team represents which faction and that kind of thing but it looks like an amazing experience <laughs> yeah well no that's what's interesting when, when you talk about european soccer is the whole kind of political connections and you know sometimes you say you root for a team and that's implying you're aligned with a certain mentality or um school of school of thought so yes um there's there's a lot going on there a lot going back that may play into my yes english premier league choice but yes, yes. i'm not choosing that today so yeah yes <laughs> All right. well yeah i was gonna say um you know, a big soccer game, you know, Camp Nou or an Old Trafford or um, mm-hmm. my youngest son, James, is a Valencia fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, of course, we he, went to, he likes we the name. To, yeah, well, we went to Spain this summer. And so, like, we told the boys, hey, we're going to go over there. You guys, you know, getting one souvenir and you can get one soccer jersey from one of the we were in Portugal and Spain. Okay. And Sam won a Portugal jersey. Um, thankfully, he didn't get a Ronaldo one. That would have really hurt me. He just got a. <laughs> But he got just like a Portugal European champions jersey, and James held out, you know. So we, we were in Barcelona and Valencia, and all James wanted was a Valencia jersey. And Valencia jerseys are really hard to find, (laughs) even in Valencia. But he found it's got a bat on it, so he thinks like Batman, whatever. We stayed right across the stadium. So I told him I'd take him back there for a game. So that that was one. But if you already did the soccer, I'd like to go to the Tour de France. Oh, that's a really cool one. Yeah, um, I would. That looks like a really fun event as a spectator looks, too. When you yeah. climb up on the mountains and stuff, yeah, camp Correct. out. You, yeah. you know, you get you get a picnic or something. Yeah, I say this to my wife. My wife is like, "Well, I will wait for you in Paris to do that." <laughs> but I think it'd be so cool to go to one of these like out of the way towns or one of the the you know villages in the Alps, and you just mm-hmm. you wait and you see everybody come by. But it's like it's a giant party. People are hanging out. It's I guess like the French version of tailgating, which is probably like really awesome food and wine and cheese and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, people, people have their 
their qualms with bike bicycling. I actually like the Tour de France. I follow it every year. Um, I think it's a great event, and I just think it would be so cool to take it in, in person. Um, you know, maybe even follow it for a couple of days, a couple of different stages. Right. Oh, that that would be awesome. That is a great, uh, definitely a, 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 would be one of the best and and one of the more accessible events in some ways. Yeah, um, you just walk. You up. know, of some of these, and yeah, I mean, accessible as a fan, and, and maybe accessible as an American fan at some point in your life, you might mm-hmm. get that opportunity. You know, yeah. some of these others are a little a uh, little dicier because yeah. Uh, yeah, my my second one, I was just thinking of like sports that I would never get to see, and again, I mean, I guess I'm just in this kind of rivalry situation, but I mean. The Australia-New Zealand rugby rivalry, oh, right? Yeah. The All Blacks and Springboks, or yep. uh, excuse me, Wallabies, Springboks yeah. and South Africa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, um, it, it would, <coughs> would be an awesome experience, I think. And and just for me, I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. Um, would love to see either or both of those. Uh, that would be a really cool, cool thing to see. So and rugby fans, like yeah, insane fans, insane, insane. Yeah. I was in South Africa and. Um, the passion for rugby there is just off the charts. Right. The whole thing with the Springboks and um, certainly the, the rivalries they have with, with New Zealand and Fiji you know, and Fiji and yeah. Wales, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to get way off the beaten path. For, probably, we might be doing this. If we choose the here. same one, that's awesome. Yeah. I bet, are you the polio? No, I don't think the, so. No. The Palo de Siena? Do you know what this no, is? No, I, I, I do know this game, actually. No, well, this is, this or is the, the horse uh, the race. Horse race. A, yeah. Here I am. This is the uh, neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, went to Siena. It's awesome. Yeah, Siena's amazing. It's one of <laughs> yeah. my favorite places I've ever been. Yeah. Um, it's in Tuscany. It's this whole thing. They've got this Piazza del Campo. It's in the center of town. That. It's the Piazza. <laughs> and it's not that big. It's just a you know normal Italian piazza, whatever. There's, you drink wine and you eat pizza and right. you hang out and there's shops and everything. But twice a year in the summer, um, they fill it with dirt, and there's 10 distinct neighborhoods in Siena. And each neighborhood has its own kind of colors and banners and things like that. And they all sponsor, or that's probably not the right word, but they're all represented by a young jockey and a horse, and they ride on bareback <laughs> around this square. God like about this. It's so great. And it's, look it up. It is just crazy. It's ten horses and riders. It is back. like carnage. Like yeah. the race is carnage. Race racers going into the crowd is carnage. Like, and it's yeah. this tiny little thing. Yeah. And they do three laps in like a minute. This and, is not a horse track. This is like going around Court Square in Harrisonburg. Yeah. Like, no, it, <laughs> it's just the piazza. And there's just this thick layer of dirt. And it's, you know, it lasts no more than 90 seconds. A yep. few of the jockeys get thrown off. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and everybody's just like hanging out all day. It's like a Mardi Gras type scene. Yeah. But with this fierce neighborhood pride into it and the pageantry of it. And they've got like the colors and the costumes and the banners of the dark. It's really cool. And wherever you go in Santa, I was in Santa in, I think, December. Um, oh, and yeah. these horse races take like, I think, July and August. It's like two different, two different days. But wherever you go, they've got, you know, all the different banners and everything. And yeah, it's their neighborhood it's flag. Event, their neighborhood flag. Um, and evidently, it's a big deal if you're, the, if you're the young man or boy chosen to ride this thing. You know, it's like, still even in this modern age big pride so i don't know it just seems like a crazy carnival to me and um but it goes back you know hundreds of years and it's in such a great town um i've always wanted to go well maybe i just am focused that's awesome rob and maybe i'm just focused on um different uh contests that are fraught with international tension um Mm -hmm. i thought you were gonna go and, and i know one sport that i know nothing about but i do know um this entire part of the world stops when these two teams play 
I, I think um, seeing India and Pakistan play cricket, cricket, yeah, would be um, dangerous. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what stopped my international finance class at business school. Right, completely stopped. For their <laughs> my teacher, I think, was from India. Yeah. I had classmates from India and Bangladesh and Pakistan, and I had no. They all came in like bleary eyed, like we would after the World Cup. Right, and every free, it was like it's called a test or something. Yes, like that. yes. Oh my gosh! And it was like, it, I mean, my professor was checking his computer during during class, going mm-hmm. up on stuff. So, yeah, that's something. That's another level. Yeah, I mean, that is. Uh, I, I can't. I really don't. I mean, it is full Paul Feinbaum, Auburn, Alabama. Yeah, insanity and mm-hmm. like entire country stopping to watch this thing for, in some cases, like multiple multiple hours or days. You know. Yeah. Um, and and of course, you know fraught with everything that goes into the India-Pakistan relationship mm-hmm. um, internationally. So that does, for the most part, bring us through tonight's pod. We hope for, um, for certain that you guys enjoyed having uh, Kurt Dudley with us. We know we did. Um, thank him. Thanks again to Kurt. Uh, so we really appreciate that. Rob, you want to take us out with a, a couple of uh, business items? Yeah, just once again, uh, we're doing a limited run of T-shirts. Um... We've got what, up, up to 100 can be sold, so there's plenty. If you want one, go ahead and place an order at bonfire.com slash jmusb. The orders must be placed by Wednesday. After that, we're not we're not doing the shirts anymore. Yep. Um, we won't so bug you ahead. again for like a year. Yeah, we won't bug you again. <laughs> a but, good six um, months at least. <laughs> yeah. they, they are pretty cool shirts. Um, hopefully everybody likes them. We mm-hmm. Thank you so much to everybody else who's already, who's already purchased them or helped spread the word. We really appreciate it, and hopefully um, – get a few more sales and otherwise just you know continue to follow along the blog facebook uh twitter and all that and uh, enjoy the games man this has been such a fun season and i think this weekend's going to be even more fun yeah and i uh once again thanks to pale fire as always uh sounds like you just had a pale fire right uh, there. may have correct or yeah. at least using my pale fire pint glass yeah, so that's um good. hoping to see some of you at pale fire in celebration um on saturday evening and um for anyone who's a D-Lot Parker, may have a special tailgate in the works this week. So if, if you park in D-Lot, and there aren't many of you, um, walk around that lot and find a special tailgate this week. There may be some select culinary items. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So um, thanks again to everybody. Um, thanks to Kurt. Yeah, buy the shirts, guys. This is the last last two days. So you can. we're done with this now. Um, you won't have to hear us do the NPR pledge drive anymore. So this is your last chance to get the shirts. Uh, and so- I can pretty much guarantee you, if you wear one of those shirts to a game and Todd and I run into you, there will be free beers coming your way. So that is exactly. They, yeah. they, they, will, they will pay for themselves on game day. To the extent we can do that, we will. Uh, we will lose money in this. Yes. Like, Fanboying out. Be like, oh, my gosh, you, you like our shirt. Yeah, I talked to two people about the shirt this weekend, and they were, I was, like, more excited than they were because they had already, you know, whatever. Anyways, it was great. Uh, Rob, it's great to talk to you. I will um, hopefully talk to you next Monday night when we are making plans for uh, January. Sure. Yeah, for Frisco. Hope so. Let's hope so. So thanks, everybody. Go Dukes. Go Dukes.